Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. I am recording this in an apartment that is empty, except for me and the dog, and the reason that it is empty is because Marie went to visit her family out of town this morning. Her flight out of Miami going to Washington left at 7.45, so we left the apartment to get to the airport at 5 a.m. And because we were leaving at 5 a.m., Marie wanted to make sure that she woke up by 4 a.m. And since Marie is not very good at getting herself up in the morning, I had to wake up at 3 a.m. So we went to bed at like 10 p.m. I woke up at 3. Marie woke up at 4. I drove an hour to Fort Lauderdale at 5 and then an hour back, got to the apartment, started reading. Anyways, those are a bunch of numbers. You can make of them what you will. What I'm trying to convey is that in talking to myself around the apartment here and there, I was noticing the occasional slur. You might also know the occasion by slur, I mean like slurring my words, not like an ethnic invective. If you hear a slur, it's because I'm like grossly sleep deprived, but it's that horrible kind of tiredness where you're I'm too tired to actually lay down and go to bed. Part of the reason I can't take a nap, and I should I feel like I shouldn't even mention this, I saw this horrible video a couple weekends ago, and it was showing a homicide, a vehicular homicide, for which the, the killer was convicted and sentenced to prison, and the video takes place outside of a bar, and it's showing three or four people involved in a fistfight out in the middle of the street. And as they're involved in this fistfight, out of nowhere, this low-hanging car comes flying into frame at probably 40 or 50 miles an hour. That beeping is the sound of the air fryer in which I'm making a pizza. Anyways, okay, if you, that sizzling sound you might hear in the background is, is the sizzling of cheese because I just burned a pizza. Anyways, I was watching this video and it's really fucking horrible. It's not very bloody, but you see like it hits this group of people and they, like bowling pins, fly into the sky and um, apparently all of them died. But I was watching that. Incidentally, this video is not what I'm trying to talk about. But anyways, okay, long story short, that you see that video and it's, it's insane. Of course, it's always crazy to see what happens in these videos, like the aerodynamics of someone getting hit by a car. But then, fucking stupidly, I was reading the comments, which you're never supposed to do anywhere about anything, and someone posted like, yeah, this video is like, you know, just kind of jarring and surprising, but you know what's really horrifying? The video of the aftermath. And what they were referring to is somebody who was at that bar, took their cell phone, walked over the part in the street where the bodies had landed, and just like recorded what he saw. And then someone chimed in, posting a link, and then I clicked on that link, and no need to get into crazy details about what was shown. Um, but the most striking thing, the thing that everyone is taking away from that footage, is the, the phone pans over the pavement and on the road, just sitting there on the road by itself, is a pumping human heart. Nothing attached to it, no way, no, not a thread of clothing or anything, just a human heart still pumping, attached 
to nothing. And when I don't sleep, two things happen whenever I'm sleep deprived. The first is that I get really bad stomach cramps. And then the other is I get like palpitations. And now I've, I've made two attempts in the past few hours to lay down. Once on the couch, a little bit later, I just went to the bedroom and tried it. And neither of them worked because in the perfect stillness of the bedroom, it's a Sunday, it's a late Sunday morning, it's 11 a.m. I, I was on the mattress and I started having my standard sleep deprived palpitations and the sensation of my heartbeat like reverberating in the blanket on top of me or even just the mattress beneath me just fucking snaps to mind the images of that beating heart on the pavement. I really need to stop looking at this shit. And every now and then I do wonder, like, you know, when you look at those things, they get in your head and they don't go anywhere. Those things stay in your mind. And so you ought to be pretty selective about what it is that you watch. But I tend to never think about the future. When I'm skimming through Reddit, I never think about the consequences of what I'm putting in my head because I'm an adult and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I know that the world is rough and horrible things happen. I, but it's my responsibility to like be mindful of these things, to have an idea of what dangers are out there, to have an idea of what sorts of atrocities and indignities are, are being perpetrated throughout the world. And I do very firmly think that like it is incumbent on you, if you're trying to be a good citizen, to be mindful of the very bad things that are happening in the world. But that makes me come to con conclude that there is a trade-off, which is if you want to be a good citizen, it means you have to be really upset all the time because you have to be like keeping tabs on what is going on in your community or in the larger world. And most of what's going on, well, not to be negative, most of what's going on in your community is boring. But there's also a good chunk of shit that's going on in your community that's horrible. And I've been to like seeing and hearing a good amount of it lately. According to this recorder, I've been talking for like seven and a half minutes, haven't said a single thing pertaining to what I intended to talk about. But there have been a lot of like really disturbed people in the neighborhood lately, and I think that a lot of them are on drugs, but I think a lot of them also just have mental illness. And since, yeah, it's summertime and it's Miami Beach, it's incredibly hot. And I've been wondering if maybe the heat, there is some corollary between the heat, so let's say the inflammation or the aggravation of certain components of a person's mental illness. Any kind of first responder, anyone working in law enforcement or social work will tell you, and there's plenty of documentation to back up, the fact that when, when it's really hot outside, when it's really uncomfortable, people's tempers go up along with the temperature. And when people's tempers go up, it means that they're more inclined to act impulsively, to act impulsively at the behest of their anger. And so domestic violence goes up, car accidents go up, road rage, shootings. I was about to say crimes of passion. It tended that it seems to be crimes of passion that go up, but then I was wondering, it just occurred to me like, what about acts of passion? Are more people having sex during the summer? Because I, does, the, does that, I don't know if that really lines up. Like are people more inclined to indulge some libidinous impulse just because it's 100 degrees out and they're like, ooh, let me get out of these clothes. But I would think at the same time that, you know, the heat makes you very sluggish. It drains you. Also, it makes you really sticky and pungent and gross. And none of those side effects are really um, helpful if you're uh, trying to do the coitus. But also someone was pointing out to me, and I remember this to be true from when I was in elementary school and middle school and you were constantly alerted to the fact that someone in your class was having a birthday on a particular day. 
I remember so many of my classmates had birthdays in like in September and October and then someone else pointed out like, okay, if you trace that backwards, it's because, okay, you're nine months deep into the year. That means that people are having a lot of sex around the holidays, but nine months away from summer. Let's say, you know, the, we're in the heart of summer now, it's July, and that is the seventh month of the year. So let's do math. We're gonna math that. So nine months from, se wait, okay. So it would be six months until December, and then that's, okay. So then three months after that, so March. Are there a lot of birthdays in March and April? I don't think as many as there are in September. Leads me to deduce that maybe people are not having as much sex during the summer um, as they do during the holidays, which makes sense. I mean, the holidays are a time of like rejoicing and good vibes and celebration, people drinking, because they're drinking, well, it's an acknowledgement, presumably, of like the birth of Christ. That's what happened in the winter. But what did Jesus do during the summer? No, we go to camp, nothing. No one's gonna, there's no holidays that are compelling people to like celeb have celebratory sex of like, Jesus went to camp. Bro, I am so off topic. I'm going to attribute this muddy-headedness to my sleep deprivation, but yeah, there Okay, it's early morning the next day. I remember what I was gonna talk about, and it wasn't anything heavy. It was the fact that something that came as a surprise to me, now that I'm like six months or seven months into working at this grocery store is that grocery store, I think this is not completely unique to Miami Beach or to South Florida in general, but it is a more pertinent problem here than it is in the North, which is that at like the peak of summer, mainly between like the middle of June and the end of July, grocery stores, I think retail in general, but particularly grocery stores take a huge hit in revenue. But it's a weird kind of hit. Like the store where I work, norm a normal week for them is about seven hundred thousand dollars in gross sales. That's not factoring in all of the things that perish, all of the things that break, and all of the loads of shit that gets stolen. But it, we're in South Florida, it gets insanely hot, and as soon as summer begins, people sort of take off. And since those residents aren't around, we aren't getting that normal grocery buying cash flow. But while the residents are out of town, the, the people who generally like make a habit of stealing at this particular store, you can imagine, but they're still here and they're still stealing. So apart from the fact that the store's weekly revenue at this peak summertime, peak, this peak valley of the summertime is like 500 something thousand dollars a week, the amount of loss that goes on in the store is roughly the same. The same amount of eggs seem to get broken and watermelons and jars and the same amount of shit seems to get stolen. And since the store is earning less money, uh, they have fewer hours to give out to the staff. And so last week I only had two shifts and uh, it was the last week of the month. So I had to come up with another few hundred dollars for rent. And it didn't seem that bad because I was like, all right, I've got all these days off. I'll be able to go thrifting and I'll go to the Goodwill bins and I'll be very frugal and I'll be able to spend a lot of time there because I don't have to rush home and then go to the store. I'll be able to earn that much money. Like I was spending so much time at thrift stores and then I was coming home and I was photographing those things that I had bought and I was listing them on eBay and when they sold, I would spend a lot of time packing them and then walking them to the post office and shipping them. And in all of that time, I don't usually listen to music, I listen to podcasts. 
And the podcasts I listen to are like the, you know, Kevin Smith's various podcasts. I love the Ezra Klein show from the New York Times and the Daily from the New York Times. But those are very professional podcasts. Those are very produced. They're spliced with tons of ads. And I don't have a problem with that at all. But just like any other thing, you just you listen to that for so long and it's so consistently interrupted by ads and you, I don't know, I, it just started to feel inauthentic. I started having like this almost bodily reaction to, against very authentic sounding podcasts. It was like I was 14 again and wanted to stick it to the man. And I was like, I'm not listening to this shit for a while. And so I switched gears and I started looking for sort of nicher podcasts. I was just like, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to look for sex related podcasts because I listened to a bunch of those when I was a freshman in college, back when I was a, a psychology major and I was thinking of becoming a sex therapist. I, I, I cringe to think of how far I might have pursued that, that goal had it not been for the fact that a counselor told me in going into my second semester, I would have to take um, statistics. And I was like, okay, guess I'll be a writer. But I listened to a bunch of those pod, those types of podcasts back then in like 2009, 2010. And I've listened to a few of them here and there over the years. And something I've noticed about them consistently, unless it's like a main, like a major sex podcast, like Call Her Daddy, or there's one that's run by a famous porn star who also wrote a few memoirs. I forget her name. It's, it's Asia something, but I think it's spelled with a J. Anyways, those are like very gaudy and as professional as the other stuff that I'm talking about. But when you look at the more niche podcasts having to do with sexuality, the people, the, the people who are hosting it, even if they're recording it in the privacy of their home, they tend to start open to like talking in the show in kind of a whispery voice. They're very self-conscious. Whatever. Anyways, I started looking for some and uh, I noticed something interesting, particularly with sex podcasts. You see like it's very, the output is very consistent in the beginning. Then they, there's a long pause and then the episodes will start saying like season two, episode one, season three, episode one. And there are like glimpses of regularity, a regular of a regular output, but they don't tend to last more than like 10 or 15 episodes. And if you listen to some of the early ones when they're very amateurish, and you listen to some of the middle episodes when they've kind of got a hang of what they're doing, and then you listen to the final ones, you, it's almost as though they've reached the end of their topic. I, for some reason, it's bringing to mind James Joyce. He wrote an, he wrote a letter to someone, I think, after he finished writing Ulysses, saying, I have reached the end of English. And it's kind of a funny notion, because it seems ridiculous, obviously, how do you reach the end of English? But it seems, with the tone in some of those podcasts toward the final episodes, it reached, it sounds like they have reached the end of sex, or the end of sex as a topic. And what that brings to mind is, like, Philip Roth, who was, like, a very sex-obsessed novelist. He died a few years ago. Someone wrote a small memoir about their friendship with Philip Roth and mentioned this time that he, he was in, I think, his, his late 70s. He met with his friend for lunch and he goes, I've got great news. You're never going to believe it. I'm over sex. I'm done with it. It doesn't interest me anymore. But it struck me as interesting because I guess it's it depends on my mood. There are moods in which I think of sex as like the most fascinating topic. Susan Sontag referred to sex as a theater of the demonic, um, saying basically like, yeah, it's a wonderful experience. It can be very intimate and bonding, but it's also this this very dark private playhouse in which people project their demons and their insecurities and their 
there's strange power plays going on. Oscar Wilde famously said everything is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. And there are days where I feel like that, like it's fascinating and I want to hear all about it. It doesn't take very much exposure though to any kind of sex-centered content, whether it's fiction or a podcast or porn, where it starts to seem incredibly repetitive and incredibly uninteresting. And that makes me wonder, like, how much of that interest is actually intellectual? And to what extent am I just telling myself it's intellectual because I I'm like in a mood to look at something sexual. Anyways, that was like the very fleeting thing that I had wanted to address. And then I digressed yesterday because I was so sleep deprived. And now I'm a little more clear headed because not only is it the morning after and I got a good night's sleep, I dramatically overslept. So I'm very lucid, very sluggish. Thank you for listening. I'm home alone. I will hopefully edit and produce this today and I will talk to you next time.